Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Marcus Meets, a show you can put in your pocket and take with you anywhere you want. Uh, you can listen with any device you have at marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets. That's if you go to M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y.com slash meets. You can listen with any device you have or want to use. So in this episode, I catch up with Mandip Gill, a uh, mate of mine from uni. Also a professional actor who's had an epic role in the British soap Hollyoaks. We talk all about that. We also talk about the chimp paradox, the Big Bang Theory uh, get into something called the compound effect, how she set up a foundation to help teenagers who were very, very unwell. And she's got some amazing pieces of advice for you if you're an aspiring actor. She's also a fan of podcasts. So, um, Mandip, you must have listened to the epic serial then, right? Uh, yeah, that one. And then the one about Bo, the, uh, the army guy. Oh, so you're checking out season two? Yeah. With- oh, like, I'm really into Adnan's case. I feel like he's my brother. When I was listening to it, I used to wake up, honestly, and think about him as if he was my brother stuck in there. Really? Yeah, and I followed it up. He's getting, like, a retrial. Do you think that's because of the podcast, then? Yeah. That's I think it. they would have just left him inside otherwise, just like Bo. Was that the podcast that got you into podcasting and that, then? Yeah, I didn't know there was such a thing before. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, the reader books? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Is it? What? It's like a, what? It's real life, and, and what time's it on the telly? What? what? I don't get it. Like, yeah. it's a new thing, no? Yeah. No, nah, they've been out for, like... 10 years oh podcasts have been around for 10 years but they've only really i think that serial's really given them a bit of shine now like yeah, yeah. like what serial yeah they're like, and i think what gave what got people i think people i know onto serial is um making a murderer on netflix so once i'd watched that then they was like all right then now i can watch do something else i can listen to that's listen interesting because Serial came out before Making a Murderer, but yeah. a lot of people watched Making a Murderer and they went to Serial yeah. and then Serial to Making a Murderer yeah. and all that sort of shit. So I mean, that's what that, that highlighted, that brought podcasts into my life because I didn't know what they were before then. So is it just Serial at the moment? Shall I throw some podcasts at you to check out as well? Yeah, do please. No, it's not just Serial. What else have I listened to podcast wise? Oh no, I think I just had some downloaded about the universe. What? <laughs> What's it called? Go on, grab your phone. No, I can't, no, no I, you can't look at my phone, it's best. Um, I don't, it's written down actually, written on a piece of paper at home. The universe. About the universe, yeah. I want to know I mean, what it is. Why are you into stuff like that? Yeah. Well, what is it, what is it about you? Is it like the scientific side? Or is yeah, it like yeah, the... because I wanted to, I didn't actually know about the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I just had my own theory. And then I started to question where we came from and where I'm going. 
So I got really deep in life and then people suggested podcasts about the universe. Because I honestly, I'll be honest, I didn't, must not have listened at school. I didn't, I knew there was such a thing as Big Bang Theory, but I didn't actually know what it meant. And then I read up on it. I was like, that makes absolute sense. So what is the Big Bang Theory then? Oh my God. I've not read up about (laughs) it for a little while. Just that there was literally a bang. And then fast forward a few hundred million years and... Stuff happened and like things were created and then, you know, I don't know. I know the, I don't know the technical stuff. I just know, you know, there was a bang and things were created and then the earth was created and lots of years later, evolution. How does that make you feel in terms of like significance though when you start thinking about the size of the universe and hearing about these guys talking about time and like size oh, i can't question time one of the things that i can't get my head around is time i got i don't get how long forever is so how does that so what do you think about the big bang theory then do you think some do you think that is that easier to believe than it's, sort it's, of for me it's the only believe yeah, oh yeah yeah it's the only believable option because i don't think you can question things like science and how this and i also watched a documentary about it on youtube called the history of the world in two hours which was genuinely i'm not even gonna like this in an exaggeration it was life-changing yeah um but to me it's the only one that makes sense the fact that science created atoms blah 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 and then earth and over time otherwise how the hell did we get here yeah how the hell did we get here and then i believe in evolution because i feel like i look like a monkey so Um, so what, are you not like religious at all then? Or are you just like well, science? Well, to be honest, I did used, I did because that's what I, you know, I got my mum and dad out listening, whatever. I did used to be because that's what I was brought up to believe. So yeah. sometimes you just follow it because that's all you know. Yeah. But then my cousin passed away a few years ago and it changed my perception on everything. Yeah. And now I would say I'm more spiritual as yeah. opposed to religious. Yeah. Like, and your cousin passed away. Um, you did, that affected you quite a bit, didn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how, how did your cousin pass away? Um, she had cancer. Yeah. So she was 22 when she passed away. So, and we was really close. Like you wouldn't, <clears throat> she was my friend as well as my cousin, but like my sister, mm. like out of everyone in my family, she was the only one that knew loads of my stuff, like all my secrets and everything like that. Cause she was a friend and yeah. we were quite, we were very close in age. So it was, it was huge. And that was three years ago. So it's still quite new, but that, that massively changed me as a person. How did that, what was your first reaction? It, to even me? to, even now, like, um, I don't get it. I still, I still wake up and I'm like, did that really happen? Does that really happen to young people? It, I still struggle with the fact that she died from a disease. That, that bothers me. Yeah. It weren't a freak accident. She were, and like, she weren't old or whatnot. You know, it was, it was a disease that I genuinely believe we have a cure for. Yeah. So that's what, even now, I question it. I don't get it. I don't think you'll ever get it. I don't, mm. like, I wake up and I'm like, did that really happen? Has that happened? Am I genuinely not ever going to see her again? Mm. And then I make new theories up in my head about, you know, the afterlife. That, that what? Go on. <laughs> I'm like, right, no, what has happened is I'll go through different phases. I'm like, I'll never see, like, that's it. You just, you know, you're, you're a cell, we're an energy. That's just... I don't believe you disappear because I believe like there's a spirit, but I'm like, maybe you just like stuck to little bits. Maybe you just stuck to the desk. Like we are, we are made up of cells. Cells can't disappear. Mm. Maybe they just float around once you pass and they stick to things. <laughs> or then I'll go like really like to a nice place where I'm like, no, actually there must be an afterlife because I've had a lot of, 
weird things happen to me, which makes me believe in that, that there's something else. So then I, I'll hold on to that for a while and I'll be like, well, no, because this weird thing happened to me. There was this, you know, I felt this energy. I had this, I did this, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of weeks later, I'll be like, no, you must just disappear. Whereas prior to that happening, never ever used to question where I came from or where I was going. I didn't, I just was like, it is what it is. <laughs> to a degree, it doesn't affect me because I got here without thinking about it. And then when I pass, um, maybe a little bit naive, um, Whereas now I realise actually when you pass, I, I don't know where I'm going to go, but it's the effects that it has on other people. Mm. That's really important. I think a lot of people don't discuss their fact, because the f- it can sound a little bit self-absorbed isn't it, to think about how you leaving everyone else would affect them. But it's something that people really, really yeah. should think about. Like, how is me not being here going to affect yeah. everyone around me? Because I think when, when, when something like happen, happens, you're like, it's it's weird because I only started thinking about how it would affect everyone else when it happened, when I was affected by someone passing. Because usually you'd be like, that's so sad, like they're so young, they're not mm. living anymore. And it's like, well, I don't know where they're gone or if they're ever feeling again, but the people around them, it's, it, there's a, a massive effect and we're the ones that have to live on with that effect. Yeah. And it, I suppose it did affect you because um, you went on to do some like, amazing stuff with regards to sort of the foundation and charity that you yeah, and stuff so, like my auntie, quite soon after it happened, her mum set up a charity in her name, the Alicia Bopra Foundation, and I think it was to give her some sort of direction in life. Mm. And it's doing amazing. Like, we've uh, raised lots of money um, from doing loads of different things. Like, we climb Mount Snowdon, we'll do marathons, you know, colour runs, balls, everything like that. We'll, we'll do, we do loads of things, and it has raised a lot of money. And she basically wants to give money to people in the similar situation who need, like, equipment, and stuff that they won't get funding for. Like Alicia at one point needed um, a stair lift. Mm. And my auntie was given funding by other people. So now she's trying to raise funds so that she can help other families in the same situation. And eventually, the long run, to make like a holiday home so families can go away to the beach. Because, you know, people get told that it's terminal. And you don't, you need to go to a place that has the right facilities and you can just enjoy the time that you have together. Yeah. So that's the ultimate goal. Excellent. So it's supporting other people that have to Yeah, especially teenagers because um, Alicia was very young when she was diagnosed mm-hmm. um, and she went to go on through um, Teenage Cancer Trust. They, she actually ended up living in the hospital and stuff with my auntie and stuff through their support. So my auntie's just, it's, it's direction as well as helping other people. Okay. And Alicia was really into children, really, really into children. So it, I feel like this is my auntie's way of giving back. Right. And how, how can we get some more information about that? Um, so if you type it into, if you typed it into Google or went mm-hmm. on Facebook, it's called the Alicia Burperi Foundation. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start typing Alicia B-O, it comes up because it's a unique name. And then all the information's on there. There's, you know, if we ever do a marathon, my auntie will always get places for um, strangers who want to get involved. It's not just about, we've got a big family. It's not mm-hmm. always just about us doing it. It's always mm-hmm. trying to get other people involved and yeah. stuff like that. What was physically the hardest thing that you've had to do? Like you said, you've climbed mountains, oh, done running. Mount like- Snowden. Not physically. Um, that was so emotionally, um, oh my God, I can't, I, I don't even think, thinking back, I won't even do it again unless I really, really needed to. And I don't know what it was, but the only thing at the time we did it, Alicia was really poorly in hospital. And the only time I thought is she, she's going through what she's going through. She never, ever complains. Like we never, ever heard her moan or anything. Sometimes you won't even know she was so poorly because she never showed it. And there's there me moaning up because I can't climb up a little hill with a bag on my back. Um, but honestly, that was Climbing Snowdon was awful. 
Like I did it with all my sisters and my brother-in-laws and none of us had trained. But like I'm quite fit anyway. But they, we all managed to get up for about a good five hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to come all the way back down. But it was just awful. Like the half marathon was nothing in comparison. I wouldn't have thought the half marathon would have been a yeah, like, kick-ass, but, but getting up the mountain. Did you have, what sort of kit did you have when you were climbing the mountain? Well, though? I decided to take a packed lunch because I'm really scared about getting hungry. So I took everyone's packed lunch in a massive bag. I had a big, massive, like, massive coat, like a big regatta coat, because I thought for some reason it was going to be freezing when we got up there. Yeah. And I had to carry it all on my back. So I had everyone's food on my back, massive coat, jumpers and everything excess that I'd taken, you know. Um, so I did have a lot of equipment. But I think the difference between that and the marathon is, when you run in the marathon, you go past people who are like, don't know you. You go past strangers who are just like, you're nearly there, encouraging you. Whereas up the mountain, no one knows like where the peak is. They're like, oh, it's just another mile around there. <laughs> I got another mile and I thought, the li- I started to get annoyed because I thought you're lying to me. And people were on their way back going, just around the corner. And I thought it's not. Don't lie to me and don't speak to me because <laughs> you're just lying. Whereas the marathon was actually like clearly. And yeah. I don't know, I, tr- I trained a little bit for the marathon. Did so, you? Yeah, I'd start because I'm not very good with cardio. I'm like I'm very good at weights, and I did, really didn't want to be shit to be honest. You are stacked. If I'm honest, <laughs> stop doing it. Sorry, that's awkward, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you look like you, you look like you lift the gym with everyone in it. You don't go gym. The you actu- lift gym. I lift the actual gym, you not weights. The, you the lift whole the gym. gym. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to pay because I'm outside lifting stacked. gym. Stacked. <laughs> yeah, they pay you. Yeah. I didn't have a watch. My my downfall was I didn't keep an eye on my time, and oh. I really could have shaved a good 15, 20 minutes off. But it weren't a competition. Like I weren't the very fact that I even did it for me was a massive achievement. But I didn't get to a wall. I got to like eight or nine. I thought, well, you've done this. Mm. And so the the rest of it can just be on, because there was loads of my family doing it as well. Like we'd see people going up the other side and see people going past me. I'd see all my family on the other, on sides, outside, you know, cheering us on. That mm. got me through it. It was so emotional. I went under like the bridge when I nearly finished and they had like Tanoi's that was doing the cheers. Way. No, they started crying. I thought, oh, get yourself together. Really? But you know when, you know when athletes like, they're so like yeah. proud of themselves. I don't know what, it was just this overwhelming feeling. Where I nearly started crying, and then I saw my family, and I thought, "You better stop that right now." You've already just ran. Stop it. <laughs> Love the way you just compared yourself to an athlete, there, man. Yeah. <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> I do a mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, do a I was speaking to the the boys from uni. Yeah. Um, Dan, uh, Danny got in touch and he was like, "We should do it together." Which Danny? Fisher. Because for me, with my, the charity as well, I feel like we we can't constantly ask family for money because yeah. this charity is going to go on for a very long time, and yeah. um, even little things like. We have charity boxes because we all have like news agents. So there's charity boxes in the shop that are constantly getting filled. Right. But I feel like we can't constantly keep asking the same people. So I said to my auntie, like, I have friends that know Alicia or know of her because she was a massive part of my life. There's so many of my friends that would get involved. Like even from the, you know, the girls that I worked with at Hollyoaks. So they've all like, they all know of it. It was a time when I was at Hollyoaks so they knew about it. Mm. And there's all you guys at uni, like Danny speaks to me and says, let's do stuff like that. That I feel like if I got my friends involved, um, it's a, a way of like raising more awareness and getting money, but they're people that are like knew her, knew of her. Yeah. You know? Standard. Yeah. Standard. So we're climbing involved. mountain basically, Mark, as you've just said. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. I'll do it I'll, with you I, no, and I'll I, carry the sandwiches. You know why sandwiches are a clever thing to carry? Because, <laughs> or lunch, pat lunch. Because once we get up there, everyone has pat lunch lighter on the way down. <laughs> it's harder on the way down, you know, trying to stop yourself from falling. Really? Yeah. 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 Trying to, trying to like grip your toes. Oh. Is, is hard work. Like I say, I wouldn't ever do it again. That's a lie and an exaggeration. I just know it was the hardest thing that I've done. Yeah. So I'd be in two minds to put my walking boots on again. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I willed it. Mandip, you've always been a funny person. 
And looking. Yeah, funny looking. Yeah. <laughs> in case you haven't clocked it, yeah, me, we did mention it. Me and Mandip have known each other for fucking us been ages, mate. Too long. Do you know how long it's been since we got to, went well, to Well, I can add, sir, it's been since 2006. <sighs> what? That's 10 years? Okay. Oh, oh, my God, oh. you still look the same. So do you. Oh. <laughs> Black don't get. <laughs> What's my excuse? Brown, you stays around. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, now we're looking good. I'm, you know what? A lot of people from our year group are looking kind of fresh. I must say, I look at Facebook from uni and I look at them now. I'm like, like a fine wine, you've matured. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, yeah, um, you are a funny person in the face and on mm-hmm. Twitter as well. What's weird is like researching people that you already know. Like obviously I've oh, researched God, So you basically have like, stalked me. You just said you've stalked me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You have to do, you have to just check out what everyone's about that day and stuff like that. So with you, Twitter's amazing for just finding out stuff about people. They forget they say, you're scared of dogs. Oh my God, petrified. That was just a recent, petrified. What, like, what, like, how, how scared are you of dogs? Like, if there was a dog in the room no, right no, wouldn't, now. Wouldn't. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, do you know what it is? I can... Do you know when I need to? Because I had a dog when I was in Hollyoaks. Yeah. So I lied about being, uh, they asked us, are you scared of dogs? And I said, no, no, I'm cool. I thought it was going to be a little one and I'd get over it. I, I didn't know what would happen. And then I got there and it was a staffy. Yeah. But I knew that I had to, had to go near this dog. So I found ways and, it, and we was always sat on the floor. So it was at face level with me, but I found a really good way of gripping its collar. So it weren't near me. So all, throughout your whole time at Hollyoaks, when you were with your dog, if you have you a look, I look like the worst actor in the world. Is it because I'm petrified of him? <laughs> Honestly, I look back and I go, you were so shit. It's because he's barking in my face. And you can see like the grip that I, he weren't a trained dog either. So he was a little bit naughty. He'd come for it. I'd have a lot of scenes where I was eating and he'd come for it. Uh, so I had to keep him away from my face. Has that but, helped at all though with your fear of dogs? Um, the tiniest, that's why I know that I can do it. That's why if I publicly say on Twitter, I'm scared of dogs, I know that it won't affect my work. So if I got another job that said you have to work with dogs, I'd do it. But having said that, I went for a walk on the weekend and I nearly fell off the end of a fucking cliff. 
trying to get away from it. I just don't like them. I don't like the breathing. I don't like when I can hear the collar. So, fire alarm went off. Yeah. Um, we sat there for in silence for an hour. We sat there in silence for one whole hour. And uh, no, we didn't really. We, we natted away. But were we talking about dog? Oh, fear yeah. and you said you almost fell off yeah. a cliff yeah so what w- my point was i feel like i could fake it if i needed to which yeah. i would do um in a professional instance but even when i went yeah. to go meet my new london agent i went into her office and there were dogs running about and i i was like i'm so sorry i'm scared of dogs can you put them away <laughs> in a really nice way and she's like oh one's sleeping is that fine to stay there and the whole interview literally shitting myself thinking if he wakes up i'm dead um but because i knew that i needed to get an agent I was a bit cooler, but inside I'm dying. So that's why I don't mind putting it out or I'm petrified of dogs. Because if you're going to give me, if I'm going to get a role and I've got a dog, I'm going to do it. Where do you think the fear of dogs comes from? Being Asian. What? (laughs) 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 No, I've I've never been around pets. I do think it's an Asian thing as well. They're not really like... Pets people. Not pets people. My family are not pets people. Actually, before I was born, we had a dog for a little while. Um, My sisters had a dog. Didn't last very long. So maybe that, you know, should have stayed around and I'd been fine. But I, I'm not, I wouldn't play out as a kid either. We were brought up on a council estate. So I played inside the gates. So I weren't ever around dogs. My family didn't have dogs. My grandma did. And I used to live in fear of going to a house. It was awful. So um, what about foxes then? That, do you know, do you know, up north, we don't have foxes walking around like that. They don't let's, just chill outside Sainsbury's. Let's, yeah, let's, I was going to say, let's frame this up. Because um, in the same tweet where you said, you're scared of dogs. You said, imagine how I'd react when I saw a fox. So you saw a fox outside Sainsbury's supermarket. Yeah, and people are just walking past it like it's normal. Like, you don't see that. Like, it just started walking up the street into my estate. Thought, what? That... And what did you do? Well, I went in Sainsbury's, shit myself. I thought, why? Well, I don't understand why no one else is reacting like this. And then practically ran home. It's like a thing now, like, Mandip. Dogs, uh, dogs. Foxes are getting... More and more brazen. So, like, I feel like five years ago, foxes would have gone, Aah! and run away if they see a human. Now, they look at you. They're not like, going to eat me, though. You should run away. Maybe a little nibble, and then you get rabies. You start that's firming so at the mouth. That's so scary. There's no cure so for So, I'm not allowed out after dark, is what that says. If you hear foxes making the loud noises that they do, mm, uh, mm. and you don't like foxes, I'd suggest staying, staying inside. I reckon foxes are going to start chasing humans away soon. <laughs> the next few years. I do. Uh, no, uh, it is pretty scary, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I don't really go out after. I don't really go out full stop. So I'm all right. I can just watch him from my window. <laughs> so this is your this is your Twitter feed. What else have we got off your Twitter? Right. Stop watching what everyone else is doing and start watching where you are going. Hey, I think I made that up as well, you know. Yeah. Well, I did at the time. But you know when you think you make something up and then later on you're like, shit, I just saw that subconsciously and copied it. Do you know what? That's that's not it. That's that certain stuff that I write on Twitter and not for people, for myself as well. Yeah. Like that was aimed at me. I spent, you know, I've been a bit quiet with my acting stuff. And I got to London and I got in this social, like this place and I didn't have many friends socially. And, you know, my auditions were asking me to change my accent and stuff. And I started to look at other people's careers who were already here, who had these accents and were doing very well. And I'd be like, well, they're working, they're doing this, they're doing that. And I, I, I spend, and sometimes I, I still do it. I spend time watching other people and that, that's, that their path was never my path, just like my path was never meant for them. So, you know, when I write tweets, it's not at people like, oh, I, you know, I've got my head screwed on. I can definitely watch where I'm going. It's also like, it's, it's what I think to myself. Yeah, I thought that was a nice bit of advice. I, I took it as advice. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but advice to myself. Like, yeah. I still need to watch where I, I need to stop watching other people 
Yeah. Or like and admire where they're going, but realize that's not my journey. Yeah, and do you think social media does that? Yeah, a lot of people like nobody on Instagram, or let's say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people on Instagram never post a picture when they're having a bad time. It's always we're having hashtag good times. Yeah, absolutely. So um, why why how why would you post a picture when you unless it's a quote because you're broken up? (laughs) Is it yeah? Unless it's a direct message to to your ex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then then these bad times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, (laughs) when you realise you were actually better all by yourself all along anyway. (laughs) Amen. I'm not gonna lie. um, Um, I've done that myself. uh, Not at exes, but like I'll put a good old like quote up that's digging at someone. Oh, you did the sly one. Used to, used to have grown up. But yeah, but everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Last three weeks, check it out. Check it out. (laughs) Don't watch me. Watch TV. But yeah, so like a lot of people are having great times. So I suppose if you're if you're not having a good time and you look at everyone having a good time, do you reckon that's what that's what kind of leads yeah, people huge. to not feel too cool? I I believe I'm really fortunate. I, I, I don't know if you feel like this that we weren't brought up as teenagers with social media, so I weren't comparing myself. I, I'm very um, confident and strong person, but I think that's down to not having social media till I was quite old. So Facebook was when I'd got to uni so I'm 21 by the time I've started watching I know Facebook isn't massive Instagram's only I've only had it like two three years yeah do you know so what's I'm, I'm grown by the time I'm comparing myself to people we were the Facebook generation you know we we, we Facebook was made for us yeah we made Facebook do you remember on Facebook you... when you used to have to have a uni email oh that's so how that... I got it that's how I got it that's how I know was it you... was when I was at uni because yeah. I used the email to start it it was a uni thing you need yeah. to put in your little uni oh. email and they'd like verify you and come back I to don't you. think Facebook's that detrimental to people compared to things like you know I've got a love-hate relationship with Instagram and Twitter oh um, what's I the love the love the love is I really enjoy looking at other people like especially beautiful women like I just I just love looking I'm like oh god you're so beautiful you're so talented mm. god go through my go through my follow list all it is is bums and buns all like right. I don't really follow I don't follow guys and stuff like that. Bums and buns. Bums and buns. <laughs> On that. Um and I know that it's it's helpful for work and I know that people like to see your life as I like to see other people's lives and whatnot. But I just have this this hate for the like you say, we only ever put up the good things because obviously we don't want to see like bad times, but we compare ourselves a lot and I I'm very secure in myself, so I'm like very fortunate that it didn't come about in my life. Yeah. Until recently, but I, I just feel sorry for the younger people who are already on here, who are already using filters and whatnot on Snapchat. Do you know what I mean? All these filters that come out and documenting everything about themselves. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm not there. When did you first realise you wanted to be an actor? Um, really, really little. I'd say about. I remember about six saying, oh, "I want to be on TV," but prior to that, I had this video footage of me doing like um. It was like a stand-up comedy show, right? But no, but I was really rude. I was just going around going, do, 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 and like taking the piss basically out of people. And they thought it was hilarious. Like all my family thought it was brilliant. And I was like, she's so annoying. Like if I met her right now, I'd, I would want to slap her. <laughs> but um, so I was, I was really little, but I remember being about, it was about six or seven. And I said, oh, I want to be on TV. And then from being little, I can just remember. That's it. I never, I was never doing anything else. Okay, and did you always study the theatre studies and, and, yeah. and all of that through so school? My sisters, when we were brought up on a council estate and we had to keep ourselves to ourselves, so I've got a big family, I've got five sisters and a brother, and we used to play together. We weren't allowed out. We had a shop and we worked in the shop. Um, and they was like, we'd, so I would just perform for them, like I'd pretend I was, um, you know, Scary Spice, the Spice Girls and blah, 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 I'd get dressed up 
do Hindi songs, you know, sing love songs to my brother and get paid and whatnot. Weird. Yeah. Um, but they was like, my dad used to pay us to do it. He used to film us a lot. Like we got like, he used to give, pay us to do it like at birthday parties and stuff. But my sisters were like, we didn't, like my big sister especially, she was like, I didn't really know what to do. Like, we don't have like drama. We did have drama clubs, but we weren't allowed out. So where were we going to send you? And then at about nine, ten, I heard of like a summer school in London. But even then that was massive and out of like, no, you can't really do that. You can't really send me to London. Uh, we don't, we don't know what to do. So up until I um, got to high school, and it started doing like high school shows and then realizing actually we can help her go further. It was more just a doing it in my house thing, but knowing that I wanted to be an actress on TV, how I got there and how I was going to get there, I had no idea until school helped me. School put me in touch with college, college helped me and they sent me to uni. Uni is where I got my acting agent. So mm-hmm. I went in, I was, I did it the formal way, but it's the only way we knew because. We just, we just didn't, I didn't have them facilities when I was younger around me. And well, no one in my family does it, so. Yeah. What what was it like studying at uni then? Like studying acting at uni? Again, like a love-hate relationship. So I really enjoyed the people. Like, I'm, like you know, we're still friends. I still speak to the girls that run my course and whatnot. The yeah. teachers have been so like supportive of my career and, and stuff. And I enjoyed going away and growing up. And, and the course, especially the um, acting for TV course in the last couple of weeks of uni. Um, so many things um, that I now know and have worked on and have used in TV came from that course. Um, so, and we had um, a module called biomechanics, which was very physical, like a physical theatre. And I, I adored that. Like I'd love to do physical theatre now. What is biomechanics? Like, what is? So it's like don't theater? don't quote me on this because I can't. It's been that minute long, but it is like it's a set of movements. It's like physical theatre, but it has its like own set of movements and they were like um you're doing a robot now yeah that kind of a really bad robot though let's be honest (laughs) (laughs) um so i would class it as being physical theater yeah um so not like dancing but like just physical theater i'll have to show you (laughs) what what is what is physical theater like using your body like you know if you're walking upstairs like not having like so as so many props as such but like if you're walking upstairs you would pretend to walk upstairs it's just beautiful it's absolutely mesmerizing it's like dance and acting all together so i went to go and see a piece um this year and so there's some companies that are like like gecko theater and complicity and they just like when you watch them it's like magic it's like how the hell are they they look like they're walking on thin air how are they doing that how they're moving that how they're taking on so many different characters it's just honestly it's just amazing Wicked, and that, but, um, and you learned that the acting course at UCLA. Yeah, so we did biomechanics, which uh, it was like like physical, physical and stuff. So like in that sense, I learned a lot of stuff. But I did, ha- I did have a hard time with uni. Um, in the first year, we stripped down of like insecurities, and I became really insecure about as an actor. But mostly, I'm not the best singer in the world, but I can sing, and I had previously done musical theatre. But we were so I was so broken down by some of the um, modules and some of the tasks that we had to do. And I found like my ego and pride got in the way of certain things. We'd have to pretend to be babies. And do you know what it was? It wasn't the fact that I was pretending to be a baby acting. I was doing it in front of my friends. That my friends would look around and they'd see me doing this. And it's like, I can't commit to it. Um, Maybe that that was something that I needed to work on. Because right now, if I had to do that in front of my, my friends now, I would totally commit to being a baby. But at that point, when you... You're just finding yourself anywhere. You're at that age where you're just finding yourself. 
You yeah. go and you meet new people and then you've got to pretend you're a baby or throw invisible stones around at, at people. It is, it, it takes a lot. And I, I do still struggle with stuff like that now because I've been to auditions where I've still struggled a little bit. But that's stuff that I've got to work on. And so I was broken down a lot, like a lot of things were stripped. My personality was stripped down and it took me, it, it was only when I left did I find myself again? Yes, a better version. But I sometimes think, did I need to go through that process to become this person? Or did I just need to grow up? Like, was I just 21 and young? And now when I've left, I'm, I'm that bit older. And now I'm older. And could that could life have just done that? Did I really need to go through the what I thought was um, a, a very hard process? But now, like, I'll never know whether I could have done that away from it. Because as well, on reflection, I've had so many good memories. And... I don't, like, sometimes I say, oh, well, maybe I could have just gone straight to the professional world, but it's like so much of my knowledge and skill has come from studying. What kind of actor would I have been if I'd missed them a few years out? Yeah. Because it didn't, it didn't ruin me as an actor. Mm. Um, so it's not like I've lost that. It just, it was, as, it was a personal thing that well, I struggled with. Also, uni's good for, the so, for, for social skills as well. If no? you're sociable. You were, so, you, listen, I'll uh, tell you this, yeah. <laughs> The acting course, <laughs> I I was I did a different degree, yeah. I was doing like media, yeah. The acting course, you guys were you partied, yeah. You guys, I understand you had lines to learn and you had very physical, a lot of contact time, a lot of lessons. Contact. But let's just say on like what were the, what were the student like? So there was like a Yours. Monday mood, yeah. Monday, oh, 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 my, my own. oh yeah, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there was um, it was like Monday nights were a student night. Tuesday nights was, was like so a cheap, cheap drink. Tuesday cheap, was yeah. so I don't drink. Right? Yeah. I don't drink. So I was like finding money on the floor because I'm sober, <laughs> which paid for my taxi home because I'm not walking around there in the dark. Yeah. Mate, I used to make money on a night out. Really? I'd make money because I'm finding money on the floor and paying and paying for my like, you can only have like a couple of Cokes before you're burping. Yeah. I'm paying for my chips and I'm paying for my taxi home and I've still got money off the floor. We could get you <laughs> chip, chips, cheese and gravy from round, round corner. Uh, and it was like Wednesdays was a night out. Saturday was the SU set. You guys were out, but you part. Tell the truth. No, no, you parted no, a lot. No, no, I did. Social. You know what is because we also used to get coupons, so that like you'd get in for free. What you used to get like um, you know, squares. Yeah. The place you yeah. used to get coupons if you got in before eleven, you weren't paying. So uh, we would just be like, guys, guys, we've got to get in before eleven because we've got our coupons. So and then what? I'm paying two cooks. I'm finding money on the floor. <laughs> I'm living. <laughs> you guys are smashing it, making money on that. Um, I did go out. I can't really remember my memory's a bit bad, but. I don't feel like I socialised enough. I don't feel like um, I could have done more stuff. I could have, I don't know, I could have done more, cl- going to more clubs. I could have joined the gym. Could have done that kind of stuff. Fair enough. I mean, from what I remember the acting course, you guys seem, you, you seem like the guys that were out there and you were, you were fun and com- comfortable within yourself, probably because of all the exercises you were doing during the day yeah, of getting stripped and down and there was stuff. A, there was two classes, so there was a big group of us who yeah. were very close. So that's like 30, 40 of us that yeah. are quite close. Not just, you know, you, we weren't sitting in, in lectures, uh, you know, just listening to the, the tutor. We're actually like fully engaging with yeah. each other. Like you say, we're, to- we're touching each other on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. So we were pretty, I'd say, yeah, you're right, we were pretty close Sick. like that. And thanks for coming down to my raves as well. Isn't it? It was good. I like R and B. Yeah. Oh yeah, a bit of R and B. What what one did you come with? The army one or the school one. one? The army night. No, both of them. Listen, yeah, this I was supporting your nights. Mandip got me where I was today, yeah. <laughs> oh, I loved it. It was great. Like uni uni was good times and like, I always say, if people say they're not sure about going to uni, I say look for the social aspect. Cause some people 
didn't you notice some people in the first year struggled socializing with other people they could have been nice people by the end of the three years everyone got so much better at just like hey i'm so-and-so what's yeah. your name Did but i think you, know? you grow up in that time as well you yeah. go there you go there as a kid and then you have to live by yourself you've got no other option but to socialize there they, they, i think they're they're some of the biggest years of people's lives and i would say to people go to uni i learned mm. a lot from uni i mean it's very expensive now so we've got to count ourselves lucky oh yeah 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 we were like on the last set of people yeah. that were like reasonably priced um, so what happened after uni then? Like, what was the deal after uni? Because obviously, I was like, "Cool, see you around, Mandip." Like, <laughs> see, see you on another side. I yeah. Um, so after uni, I went back to Leeds. I'd got, I'd picked up an agent from um, our showcase at the end of acting, yeah. and whilst I was still at uni, I started auditioning for. Like, I was screen tested for Emmerdale whilst I was still at uni. Yeah. And then it just, it just like I hit the ground running. Like I used to audition all the time. Went back to Leeds. Um, my nephew came to live with us as well. He was only little. He was only one. So I'd spend my days going to auditions and then bringing him up. Wicked. Like it was just, it was just beautiful. So I did that for like two years and then I got Hollyoaks. So then I had to send him home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on your way, on your way. Like you're so, free now. You're uh, independent. Yeah. So Hollyoaks, mm. tell us about your character, Phoebe McQueen. Um, God, it seems so long ago. It's been a year since I left, but... To this day, like, people still remind me about Phoebe. All right, then. Well, so what was the process from audition to getting a role with, with Hollyoaks for you? Because I know it's different for everyone. Yeah, it was quite um, a lengthy process, if I remember, in terms of, like, I had four auditions um, in total. So I'd keep going from Liverpool to, from Leeds to Liverpool, and then we'd wait, uh, like, a week or so. And at the, at the very beginning, there were so many different people. Like, now I'll go to auditions and we're all brown. You know, they know they're looking for someone brown. Yeah. But at that point, I'd been to a few auditions prior to that for Hollyoaks for students and stuff. So I had a bit of a, a relationship with them. But there were so many different people and ethnicities there. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't, I didn't know what they were looking for. I just had to go with my interpretation of the character, which when I went the first time, I changed. So it just said she's streetwise, she's a tomboy, um, she's homeless, blah, blah, blah. So that was mine. That was what, what I took on the first time. And then... By the second, I'd changed what I thought she was like. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to go with my hair naturally curly. I feel like this is this is better. This suits character. The third time we met some of the cast that she was going to be working with, and that kind of gave me like an insight into actually, no, I don't feel like she's what you were dressing like the first two times. So I kept changing it and adapting it, which is risky because you really, if they see you one way and they like you, you kind of should be going that way again. But because I was like, no, 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 I don't feel like that's it's not that and even the last stage there was me a black girl a white girl and another white girl think like it was like you want you have no idea what they're looking for you just can only do do your in- version of it yeah and stuff like that so it was the by the um end the two other girls that were it was down to we were tra- we were all from leeds so we were doing the train journeys together Wicked. So, and like one of them ended up being in Hollyoaks now, some years later, she's gone into it. But it's like, it's just such a weird process of going with the people and traveling all the way up, knowing like we're all sat there with our scripts, knowing we're going for the same thing. Yeah. But supporting one another. So it wasn't like competitive no, or anything like that? No, it was support. It was like cool. Like we, I still speak to the two girls, you know, and they're both working. That's cool, man. It was a nice, it was a nice process. It was, yeah. It, it'd come at a great time. Um, Prior to the first audition for this that role, 
I'd spoke to my agent and I'd done a lot of theatre work and I was getting screen tested for a lot of stuff. So I was getting to the last two. It was me and somebody else. And I was getting screen tested and I was going into like sets and whatnot. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get these. And I weren't. I weren't getting them for whatever reason, for experience. I weren't getting them. And it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I just need to just have a little breather because I've spent the last 10 years doing this. Just, just, just let me have a little break. And I said to my agent, um, I don't know how, I don't know. I'm a bit, I don't know whether I want to carry on doing this or not, which is, I would never, ever stop doing it. But I obviously felt like that for that second. I said, and I just need some time away. She went, no, she went, go on a holiday, go on a week holiday and come back. She said, that's what you're going to do. Because she believed in me more at that point, more than I believed in myself, because she was the one hearing the feedback and seeing the progress that was making. Um, And I went on a week's holiday, came back and then got the Hollyoaks audition and it went from there. Smashed it. And I stayed there for three and a half years. Yeah. And what what sort of journey did your character have over that three and a half years? Um, Well, she died off homeless and by the end of it, she ended up in a house but was still, still a champ. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you know what? She had an exciting time with Hollyoaks. Yeah. Like- she, it was a great character to um, help facilitate other people's storylines. So if they ever needed any of the other McQueens ha- were having massive storylines, it was like, well, she can do their dirty work for them. Like, I, I was always the person that they could turn around and go, here, Phoebe, you do that. And so yeah. I always got like storylines in that sense. So I was great at, you know, and I had my own massive storyline when I first started. And, you know, it was a massive decision. It was my decision to leave and it was huge. Like there was, you know, a big offer of a storyline on the table, a two-year contract. And so I could have been, I could have had another massive storyline and stayed there for a few years. And it was so good that it, they were, they were not, like even personally, I was like, God, like, it's just so good. Why would I leave it? I've studied all this time. I went to so many auditions. My family are really proud of me. The lifestyle's amazing and I've met some beautiful people. But I had to think business-wise, was that the right thing for me to do? Because I'd started to get noticed a lot for being myself outside of work. So it was a business move. And it, it's paid off. It has paid off. But even now I'm like, oh, God, you could have been acting every day. Every day I went to work. I was so grateful I was going to work. Every day I'd drive, drive in my little car that it had bought me, you know, and I was like, I cannot believe that I'm going to go act for 12 hours now. And the the, the opportunities that I was bringing is immense. So do you think that was one of the hardest decisions to make, to say, I'm just going to change lane? No, do you know why? I really, really believed that it would... It, it weren't hard. What were hard is actually saying it. The decision was there. I knew I weren't staying for years. And when I, before I actually did tell them, I'd had it in my head for a year. But I thought, they asked me to stay. And I was enjoying myself. And I said, I can do another year. I love it. I love it. Um, so I stayed. So it weren't the decision of, should I go? It was telling them that, that for me, I felt like I was very loyal to them. And they were offering me so many great things. And that was the hardest decision to make but because I really believed in how far I'd come as an actor and that I could where I was lacking in experience I now had experience and I was yeah more confident in doing it and I wanted to be challenged more I wanted like I wanted really I want I still want gritty things where I have to cry and or do you know what I mean like oh just I want colourful things and it weren't guaranteed that I was gonna I was gonna be able to get them stuff whilst I stayed so I just, it was, it was a risk, but I, I believed in myself enough to go, yeah. Yeah, you got to. And like, so moving forward now, what sort of stuff is 
of interest to you? Like what sort of stuff you like? Yeah, like a bit of that style and that style. I, I am so excited about like, I love like British dramas. Yeah. You know, like Channel 4 ITV dramas, like they really excite me. Police stuff really, really excite me. I hope to God one day I play a police officer. Freeze! <laughs> <laughs> I'd do better than that. How'd you do your freeze? Can't tell you. <laughs> I've got to work on that. I can, um, see you be, I can see you being a yeah, copper actually. Police officer or a nurse, but like, um, so yeah, like like dramas, like British dramas. I want to work here before I go um, overseas. Yeah. A lot of people say, why did it go to America? Because like at the minute, it's like, it's, it's booming there, like especially for... Um, eh, you know ethnicities and stuff but I need here I need to do it here I need I need things that my family will watch here yeah what was it yeah what's it like when your family see you on a box are they, are they like Meh. now are they still like whoa um, the first time must have been a, a, a big deal in the Gill household though um, I'm trying to think no, they, they are really proud yeah. like we're not really like a, a family that's like oh I'm so proud of you but you know when they put stuff on Twitter and uh, like like on Facebook they'll yeah. put my pictures up and they'll oh, say oh lovely. she's on like that kind of stuff and I I feel like I've made them proud because they've watched me doing it since I was little and they'd like my big sister and stuff would like help me get dressed up and whatnot and put on these little shows and my dad I feel like even if you're not saying it what you helped was like I did. You made this. You made this believable because you taught me from such a young age that it's so feasible to do. So with regards to whether they say it or not, I'm like, and we've got a shop. So imagine when I go to the shop and people are like, oh my god, he's so proud of you. And that's not because he said it. That's probably just the way he spoke about my work or if it's been on telly. They used to watch it. She, my mum would say, oh, I missed it today. I put in cash and carry out. I'm like, brilliant. <laughs> that was like my big moment there. We're crying as well. Did you see it? Um, but they, they're busy people, but I think it's quite normal now. Fair enough. Which what, is nice. What about comedy and stuff? Because, man, you've got, you got a banging sense of humour, don't you? You're leads, isn't it? You've got the lead sense of humour. You're up for the banter. Banter. Um, you know what? I really, the, my biggest fear is comedy. It's like I miss out all, I don't know why, but I'm like, mate, you missed out all the beats. Like, in real life, it's mate, cool. Like, on like, the so beat. In, in real life, you're uh, on yes, the beat, Yes, but then mate. you give me, I've not had, I've had... Like this year alone, my agent, I started speaking to my agent a lot more because we we're going back and forth between like when we were speaking to each other about auditions and she started to, re- I guess I became less formal with her and she started to realise I had a personality and she said, this year I've re- realised we need to, I need to get you into general meetings with um people who cast comedies. So only this year have I started meeting people for comedies and they've actually gone pretty far. But it is, it's the biggest struggle. Like, this is why I want to go to, like, classes to learn how to be a clown. At the minute, I'm working with kids. And I'm working on a, on a Saturday. I work with kids. Because I just want to learn how to be silly. Because I'm really silly in real life. But then some sort, something gets to me and goes, no, be professional now. Like, it, it, it becomes really technical when I'm doing comedy. So I have done comedy. Last year, I did a program called Cuckoo. Yeah, what was that like? Um, it was really short and sweet, but they were hilarious. And they were so comfortable doing it. It's like, that's where I want to get to. Like, they were adding their own stuff in. They weren't sticking to scripts. They were They were just, it was just lovely. And I thought, this is, my biggest challenge would be to do comedy. Yeah. I, I, when I saw that episode, I was like, and I saw you and I was like, yeah, yeah, God, man. That's, yeah. That's the man that I love. <laughs> always up for a bit of banter and cracking, yeah. cracking a couple of jokes. So, um... What's your acting style like? You know, there's different types of acting. I, oh, let me try and remember some because I remember because oh, our mutual mate Yuji used to tell us about it. Meisner technique mm. and and uh, that's it. What, so what like other you types have, are like, there? Stanislavski. What like, Stanislavski? So he's like the magic if like yeah. or method acting. So you know, some people would 
Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, if he's playing a disabled character, he's going to be disabled in his real life for, like, three, four months. Okay. That's how he gets into character. Right, right. He's really that person. Right. Uh, you know, you use stuff like magic if, what if you were really in that situation? And emotional memory, right? This is my biggest thing. I don't do it because I feel like it's dangerous. There's certain techniques I will discuss and debate with people and slam blue in the face because I just don't... Uh, I appreciate people's... Uh, different techniques and whatnot but I just don't agree with some of them and emotional um, emotional recall is one of them so it says if so if I were doing a death scene and I needed to cry it says tap into your own emotion and use that in order to make you cry and I think that's so dangerous I think one after a while it's not going to work you're going to become numb to the fact that what happened in real life I think it's dangerous to mix the two together and I feel like as an actor there has to be other ways of bringing on emotion. Like, there has to be, like, I can't just sit there and think of, like, really bad things that have happened in my life in order to switch it up. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't the writing be there? Shouldn't you be in character enough to go, this is actually happening to me? Yeah. Um, but people, people do use it, and they, you know, they'll argue that it's healthy and whatnot. But for me, te- techniques... Is that when it gets dangerous? Is that like, we don't want to name any names, but is that when certain actors have yeah. like been known to harm themselves yeah, and stuff, well, those sorts of techniques, or is it a different people, type of technique? People have, like, I know you're referring to say that they used them kind of techniques, but also that they was going through personal issues, but... Heath Ledger. Who said that? I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I think they're dangerous. Like, imagine, like, you're doing, um, you're doing a, a funeral scene... In, in a film, like, it's not real life, it's film, we're creating entertainment, I'm not, it's going to sound so controversial, but we're not doing life, changing things, it's not, it's not, it's just, it's, it's acting, mm. right, and, and you're using something that's really, that's happened to you in real life, and you're using that to cry, but then we've got to go again, and again, and again, and again, and you're just crying because of something that happened in, to you in real life. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Mandip, I did a little, you know, I did a little bit of acting work, and I had to... <laughs> Basically, me and, me and Matt, the reason me and Manif have been talking a lot is because I did a little bit of acting and I, and I, and I needed to talk to a few acting mates and Mandit was on the people. I was like, look, you do, you're on a telly. Can you? <laughs> and I did a little bit of that for a day, de- just a day. I had to do a scene that was very sad and I, and I watched something that made me sad. Um, and at the end of the day, I was knackered because you got to stay that way. Even if there's only 20, 30 seconds of it, a minute of that mm-hmm. being on, on the final cut. That scene can take the whole day or it can take like an hour. But by or the three. end of it, were you not struggling to get to the place where you got was, in the beginning? I was, yeah, it was harder to get there. Yeah. And also little things like you'd hear the, you'd hear the gaffer in the background cracking a joke. Like he's meant yeah, to, he's yeah, there all yeah, day yeah. cracking a joke. Then, yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. she said. And I'm there got yeah, yeah, teetering yeah. on the edge of tears. Million percent. And then like, also I was a bit miserable at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that was just one day. Yeah. So if you're doing that all the time, is that what you're saying? Like, yeah. It can make I mean, really you bad. know, people can say, oh, we can switch off. But it's like during during that day of you filming, it's emotional abuse. Like you've just, you've brought that on by thinking of something that really happened to you. Whatever can make you cry really happened to you. And there's going to come a point when that's going to make you numb and you're not going to react to that the same way again. And that's a real experience that really happened to you. You know, that's one of the big, I think that is so dangerous to use. But there's loads of techniques that I do that I'll debate with. And you know what? There's one that I debate with um, my friends with a lot about being in the zone like a hundred. They'll believe that they're a hundred percent in the zone. And I used to say, well, how can you be? Because you've got like the bill on the mic, if you know what I mean? Bill on boom 
he's laughing, he's moving backwards, he's walked into a cupboard as you're doing your serious lines. How can you be 100% in it? But recently I've read a lot more interviews and I've done work where I've gone, just just really be in it, stop trying to be technical, stop trying to, trying to do everyone else's job because there's certain times on set that I'd see the other actor opposite me had stood in the way of the camera. So I would move accordingly but it would sometimes take me out of where I needed to be. And so recently, only recently, have I started going, just just be in it. And now I'm starting to go, maybe you can be a lot more in it than I were in it. Interesting. Because I was going to ask you what your technique was for getting emotional. Oh, for emotional. Do you know what? Because I will really think I'm that character. And like when I read the words initially um, in the scripts, because because I was Phoebe for three years, I'm part of me is Phoebe-like. So whatever were happening in the scripts hurt, but I wouldn't, when I was reading them, I'd try to control that. But wherever that, them triggers were, stayed throughout the process. So you've got to remember, like, we were learning the scripts the day before, so it weren't like I had scripts for a long time and was able to abuse that process. We were getting the scripts the day before or something. I was learning the scripts the day before, going on to set, doing it four or five times, and the triggers were still there. But it's because I honestly believed that I were them characters. So if my friend's dying, that's my real friend dying. I don't have to think about my friend, whatever's happened to me in real life. Just right then, her words and her getting upset is going to make me get upset. But we're only going, you know, we was fast moving. We're only going four or five times. There's been te- a time when I had to take 10 takes and I had to cry 10 times. And it got to the 10th time and I said, I, I don't use tear stick, but I said, I can't, I can't do it again. It's not affecting me the way it did in the, the first ones. I happened, I got it and we'd finished, but it, it taught me that that I maybe need other techniques, which we did learn at university, a breathing pattern in order to cry and laugh. Maybe I need other techniques to ba- uh, just as a backup plan. But I feel like if you really feel it, if I'm really in it with you and you're really good and the script's good and the mood's there and even if people are moving in the background and whatnot and they've said the line wrong or not picked up the prop at the right time, if I'm really in it doing this with you, I can... And you don't even have to be good on the other side of me. I'll go to castings now with casting directors who can't act and I can still get there because I believe it. Mm. Um, and so I can't wait to get back on set having learned and watched a lot of these new techniques to see if I can implement them. Right. Because I'm all right reading them and saying, oh yeah, that'd be good. I'd love to be in the moment, but I can't wait to get back on set and go, can you be? Can you be more in it? You know, you fought till you blew in the face about not being able to be oh, I can't be 100% in it because so many stuff going on. I've got to move. I've got to remember where I pick my props up. And it's like, actually, I probably would be a better actor if I could just get them stuff out of my head and go for it. What um, What's this breathing technique, then? So Can I learn it? Yeah. Can we try and do it a bit? Yeah, but you know, because you know what happens? You mu- your body must get used to it. Okay. And then, obviously, when it comes to use, it gets faster and faster. So right at the beginning, it, it was just breathing to us. Like, it's not doing anything. But if you kept practising that, um, so, so, okay, so you know, so the crying one is, mm-hmm. when you cry, you go, no, so you go, like they say, if you did that and you were actually concentrating, yeah, you could actually, like, I can feel it, like, I could get there. Your eyes are, I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm not yeah, fucking, yeah. I, know, I know this is audio, but your eyes actually yeah, glaze yeah. over a bit, really. Yeah, is yeah, it? yeah, I could get there, because, quick, like, oh, yeah, but I can get there fast, like, crying anyway, on, like, shit like that. And the laughing one is, um, <laughs> God, it, really <laughs> it 
great words. <laughs> Listening to this wherever you are, let's see what's the crying one again. Do the do the crying one with, with me and Amanda. So what's you ready? Are you listen, everyone. Do it a ready? Times first. So is it like one, two, three? And obviously right. that would hide. Okay. We'd hide that. But you just get you get more and more subtle with it. Alright, cool. And the laughing one is uh, <laughs> That's how it starts. <laughs> Oh, but they're, they're actually bre- what actually happens when you laugh when you laugh you go <laughs> yeah. and then taking the breath in it to like back out oh and right see <laughs> oh yeah. right so and then that becomes subtle and you could just tap into them emotions I've no I've not really it's called Albert Emotin you, I learned that at university um, I've you used it you for laughing well, you look well proud when you said that you're like look learn that learn that, <laughs> learn that but I've used it for laughing really because I struggle to laugh like to be to what to laugh and for it to look authentic is massive, like it's huge. So I've had to use that to help me get there. Really? Yeah, I'm not putting on a fake laugh because I'll make myself feel sick when I watch it back. <laughs> You're like, oh my god! Yeah, if I don't believe in it, no, how can anyone else believe in it? Yeah, fair enough. Do you do you look back? Do you watch a lot of your stuff now? Um, yeah, um, and not out of choice. So when I was doing Hollyoaks, I lived with one of the guys that were in it, and he was a brilliant actor, and he used to sit and analyze his work like he was amazing. Um, so it was always on, so I had no choice to watch it, and then I just became immune to watching my own work. And I am critical of myself, and I mm. say stuff like, "Why are your eyebrows like that? Why does your why the hell is your?" Do you know what I mean? Like stupid, superficial things that are not too deep. I don't really mean that. I'm not self conscious, um, but there's a lot of times when I'd sit and watch it and say, "Oh, you missed the beat there," or "You could have reacted like that," or the intonation on that line weren't there. Um, and I didn't ever think I'd, I don't like watching it. I don't sit there and enjoy it, but I've got to, how can I get better for me? I think if I don't watch my stuff, cause I'll yeah. keep doing all the bad things that I were doing and I have bad habits and I'm not going to point them out cause you'll notice them. <laughs> but now if I, <laughs> <laughs> that's my crying <laughs> Um, but if I, if I watch them back, then when I've gone on to work on other stuff, I've remembered my bad habits and I'll nip them in the bud. Right. And then I'll watch it back and there'll be a new bad habit and then I'll get a work on that one. So you look at your work in like a more of a critical way just to help improve. It's not like yeah. you can make yourself to go, oh, oh, great, bit of popcorn, enjoy myself. Yeah, I've ne- yeah, I'll be honest, I've never really watched my work. I've, got, I've gone, that's effective. Mm. Oh, that was effective. Like when I've done like, like my death scene for Hollyoaks, I was like, yeah, that was effective. But I've never gone, that was, that's brilliant, that is. What a way to go, by the way. Did you see the size of my head? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk through how your character almost died and then actually died. <laughs> you watch Because that was a great way to, that was a great way to go. That was a great way to so go. I almost died by getting shots in the head. What? Come on. Yeah. That's it. Then I went through surgery yeah. and I was going to be fine. And then. Your famous last words. What were they? Uh, I'm not going, is it, I'm not going anywhere, was it? Something like that yeah. it was. I'm not going anywhere. The music as well helped. <laughs> color and everything what a way to go getting then, shot in the head yeah and then, and then I got better then I had a surgery didn't I, I had yeah. head surgery and I was going to be fine and then my boyfriend who really didn't want to be with me um, proposed to me we were going to get married and as he left the room the glove hand killer came in and killed me great fuming uh, that is hilariously amazing <laughs> that they had the glove hand killer and referred to them as the glove hand and killer yeah. Yeah, it's I love shit that line. doesn't need any explaining. This podcast is called Marcus Meets. So I as Marcus Meets. There's a glove hand killer. You don't even watch Holly, Holly Oaks. You know no. what's going on in a today's episode. A year later, episode. when I was living in, I came to London a year later, yeah. it was still, the storyline was still going on and I would have people 
every day talk to me about the glove hand killer. Every day, without effective. What's it like getting approached and recognised and stuff? How do people talk to Mandip or do they talk to Phoebe? Oh, they talk to Phoebe. Like, people will refer to me as... Uh, you know what because of social media a lot of people know me by name they're yeah. like oh because I follow you on Instagram blah 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 which is nice it's nice like I'm not going to sit here and say oh I don't like it makes me feel weird it's nice it's like everything I've worked towards like people are watching it but something about it is so weird and I can't get my head around it and it makes me antisocial it makes me weird and it's I've got to a point where I even waiting for you Marcus like I have to have my earplugs in mm. because I can't, don't like being by myself because I'm weird anyway, let alone weird with a stranger who really likes the show. So I've got, and all they do, like, they're just being lovely. And because I'm a little bit weird, it can be, get a little bit awkward and that's not nice. That's mm. not nice for them. So I can't go anywhere without my earplugs in. I'll feel naked if I don't, don't go without my earplugs in. But every person I meet, I'll, I'm nice to them because they're usually saying beautiful things. Wicked, wicked. I mean, you are a bit of a goofball, so maybe it's good that they don't talk to the, to the, Probably. To the goofball Probably, she just man. sat there with my earplugs in the whole time. Who's that, mate? Me? Just, <laughs> I've just... got better with people. Yeah, yeah. Social. It's all those three years at uni. So what about your, <laughs> so what about your Yorkshire accent, though? Oh, like, my God. This is... Because we always, me and um, Mandip, sorry to be so, like, all up our own asses, but... <laughs> <laughs> me and Mandy but like whenever, whenever when we were having our little like chats and that like I'll always do my Yorkshire accent and you'll always do your 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 southern accent like how's that coming along not very well really you know what you've got a broad one though you've got a broad Yorkshire accent and this is me working on it you know Marcus it's bad is this you being well spoken yeah this is me <laughs> yeah, when I first met Mandy she's like oh Mandy I've had classes so what a waste really? of money. Yeah, I've had classes. I um, I know that I need to work on my London accent and I do go to auditions. 80% of my auditions are London RP neutral accents. But the very reason I'm very quiet at the minute is because I'm not nailing that accent. I'm not... I, I, I need to work. Maybe you shouldn't admit these, but I need to work on my accent and acting at the same time in order to really, like, smash it. Because you're thinking... Think, yeah, thinking it the... becomes technical and then I lose colour in my acting, I lose colour in my voice. And then when they hear me speak after the audition, they go, where's that? Every time, it's happened twice this week, where's that accent from? That's a, Oh my God, that's a cracking accent. But the minute they know that I'm not from London, I'm a liability like. They're not going to take me on set doing these massive productions when I could easily annoy out of them by keep slipping up yeah saying like grass instead of grass but, and yeah like and uh, don't get me wrong I work on it like I'm forever if I'm in the car by myself I've got CDs so I am working on it but it is the biggest challenge of my career you'll get there and by the time you get there you can do like a Sean Bean and say you know what I ain't doing no accent. Whatever he's on, I've noticed over the last years. I'm like, wherever he is in the world, he's, he's just Sean him. Bean. Yeah. And I heard somewhere. I think I read somewhere else. Like, yeah, he just does him. That's, yeah. that's the deal. Like, just yeah. the accent. I, yeah. You know what? I'll be honest. Like, if I could just do my accent in most of my stuff, yeah. because the difference between my me doing my accent and putting on an accent is absolutely insane. I'm getting far. Like, I'll get you know asked back and whatnot, but it's so different to do my own accent. Like, if I would do Oh, I'll tell you what, the work that I'd be getting if I could do my own accent. Really? And people say to me, stop ch ch stop trying to change it and start making your own work then if that's the case. Visually, it looks wicked. Like, I've got a mate called Gully, Scottish guy, and what I always do with Gully is I get him to walk in the room or I get him to, to the person who's in the room to close their eyes and when he walks in the room, talk to Gully for a few minutes and they open their eyes and they go... <gasps> <laughs> 
Where's Where's Gully gone? He's like, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. To, I think it's a, a visually it's something I don't see on the television yeah. a lot. But then you don't see a lot of northern accents either on television. Exactly. So um, there is, there's a lot of good northern dramas. It's just getting seen for them mm. for this accent. But then I think as an actor as well, I should be versatile. My American accent, I, you know, I'm good at that. Watch enough TV to do them? Absolutely not. Just a little bit. I can't do shit like that as myself. Come on, bruv. No, I can't. All right. I would say I'm not a performing monkey. I can't do it. You're the one that said you had a monkey face. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. So I have a Saturday job as well to learn how to, I don't know, be more sociable. Have something else to do aside from constantly learning lines and auditioning and to work with kids and to be clowning. But also I'm like, you know what? When you're going on Saturday, you put on a different voice. It could, and I'm allowed to because it's role playing. Oh, yeah. So when I go in on Saturday, you best know that this week's I've got an American audition. I'm going to be American next Saturday. I'm going to do my RP. It's wicked. They don't know they're about five. What's RP again? Is that so? That's like uh, received pronunciation, like the Queen's English heightened. Seashells sea, sea by the seashore. After grass. There you go. Yeah. What was it like growing up in in Leeds? Though you did mention you grew up on an estate. Mm. A little bit rough. Very, very rough, actually. Um, so we weren't, I had one friend that I was allowed to go to her house, but generally we didn't have friends. Probably why I'm at the way I am. I'm really close to my sisters and brother um, and cousins. Like we'd go out clubbing together like we were friends. Um, because when we were brought up on a council estate, we worked in the shop from ve- from about seven. I used to have to work in the shop. Mum and dad's shop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we had to play in the back. Like we had a massive garden, barbed wire huge fences huge like six foot walls and we played in there we had everything we had so many toys and we were played all the time um but we didn't have many friends outside of school like they were my school friends and this continued we moved out of there when I was 12 and when I got to my new house that stayed I still didn't play outside I've never played outside um unless it's with family like my cousins who are the same age and I don't play outside with people Mm. um and that's that's um, carried on throughout of my life. I don't have a lot of friends. In London, I have about five friends. I've been here a year and a half. I can count my friends on my hat. Like, less than five friends. Um, but when you know no different, it's fine. Yeah. Like, they're really close to me now. These My friends are really, like, really special to me. And so so are my family. Because I've never played and don't have a lot of friends. Fair. That sounds really sad, but it's actually not. That just sounds really sad. Like, oh, we wouldn't let like, play out. But we had a, we had a beautiful childhood. And we, honestly, my mum and dad have done so much for us. We just happen to be in a, council, a shit council estate. Listen, you, everyone comes from different backgrounds and it's it's not, it's like you didn't need friends from the sounds of it. Do you know no. what I mean? So it's not like you were sitting by yourself rattling a, a metal cuff against some bars when you were a kid. Do you know what I mean? You had your family around. And, and as that's well, what family's for. Because of it, I've, um, I used to struggle being by myself because I was always around my sisters. I was working at Hollyoaks. Mm-hmm. And for the last year, I spent so much time by myself um, doing lines. And I'm so content with being by myself that it doesn't scare me. And prior to that, oh my God, the thought of being in on a Saturday by myself used to make me drive from Liverpool to Leeds. It was that bad. Really? Yeah, it was that bad. It was that. Had that much anxiety that I would be like, nah, nah, go back home, get a bag, go. Wow. And now I'm like, cool, I can not speak to a human being for about two days. (laughs) It's a marvellous thing. Do you think you'd be sticking around in London for a little while or? Audition, I've got, I can't move audition wise. Um, it's so good that I couldn't be anywhere else. And I actually quite enjoy London. 
Yeah, what do, I you, love think, the what do you think of Aslan? You like the tube? I love it. I love. I just love it. Like you can get around really fast, and there's so many different people who don't speak English. So many beautiful people on the train. I just love it. Okay. And you can't get the internet down there, so I can't get on social media. I'm just chilling with my iPod in. Get off the gram. Listening to cereal. Yeah. Well, no, because I don't know. I'm not very good with technology. I don't know how to get it on my iPod. Everyone <laughs> keeps saying, "What the hell?" Like, get rid of your Samsung. You, don't, wait, don't you have a habit of going through phones? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that Samsung is probably the, I'm not joking, it's the ninth handset I've had. Because they break themselves, they jump out of my hands on the floor. And jump onto the floor. Jump onto the floor, crack themselves, and then they're like, look what I've done. It's because they're Instagram. That's what it does. They're like, no more Instagram, please. Uh, anyway, a couple more before we shoot out of here, Mandip. Um, first one being um, a little bit of advice for up-and-coming actors. Like, what, what would you give them? Um... If you were an actor right now, listen if to I were an actor, like, like a little actor, yeah. I, I would say network, 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 network. And I've realised that since I got to London, like the business is so small in London, and a lot of work will come from people who you know, um, not what you've done. It's people who believe in you. So network. I'm struggling with it now. Like um, I still struggle with it because it, it weren't in me to do it. It's not in me to do networking. Um, so I would network, network, network um, is the biggest thing. And I do this and I, I don't know where it came from, but I work on my craft every single day, be it read something, um, learn something, watch something. Um, I do something every day, like the compound effect, something tiny every day will have like a massive uh, snowball effect in the long run. Wicked. The compound effect. Read the uh, book. Read the book. Uh, a good book? It's a very good book, actually. Yeah, very yeah. good book. It's, it's not to do... It's not to... I don't know who it's by. It's called The Compound Effect. But it's not to do with acting. It was actually a business book. Mm. But it's taught... Me, I've, st- I've read a lot this year that's taught me about life and the books that are not to, n- not to do with acting, just life in general, but have actually helped with my acting stuff. Awesome. That's really good. Um, another thing, Mandip, uh, mm-hmm. we got a brother podcast called How to Kill an Hour, which is all about how to kill time. So... For that, I want to ask you, like, how do you like to kill time when you get a bit of time when you're not doing what you do? Oh, God, time just kills itself. Not just, like, okay, take away my phone from me. How would I kill yeah. time? No phone, no script. No phone, no script. No friends. Let's, let's, let's take out the obvious stuff. Yeah. Like, no phone, no friends, no, like, that kind of stuff. I do read. Wicked. Um, I read a book called The Chimp Paradox, which was about... Um, behavior and your ability and it says that we all have a chimp inside us that you know the road rage that we were talking about and the way that reacts to people and it says that you can actually look after this little chimp and nurture it and it doesn't need to come out in certain certain situations and what I learned from reading that book this year is that I don't have to be the person that I was last year I don't have to react to the same situation that I did in a bad way on Monday I don't have to react to it on Wednesday and I cannot tell you how life-changing it is to know that you can be different because a lot of people I think when you change they have a problem with you changing like you're not meant to change and like I haven't spent the last 28 years trying to change and be better I feel like people go you changed well not in a bad way I didn't so what why are we looking at it like it's a negative thing and this book made me realize I can change and I don't have to react the same way and oh my god, it's so I can't tell you. It's 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 done wonders for like relationships, me as a person, and just going ah, like I might react badly. Like even 
like I don't get road rage much but if I do it's for a tiny second and then I laugh at it because I'm like that's a chimp okay yeah because we were talking about road rage before we press record today so you the listener might be like oh, what are you talking about <laughs> basically uh, there was a little bit of driving on the way here <laughs> I went one mile I was one mile below the speed limit yeah <laughs> And, and used uh, all the kind of things right, like traffic lights and roundabouts. He did that yeah. all properly. That was a good manoeuvre on a roundabout. Oh my God, stop it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> you can't talk about it. But um, basically, yeah, you were there like gripping onto the seat, like, <laughs> ah, like it was Thorpe Park. And then you said you got a bit of road rage. So <laughs> it's the this, this book's bit. helped you to sort of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only, t- it's only when people do things stupidly or everybody's in a rush. And I'm like, what are you in a rush for? Because like when you bang into the back of me and kill me, you're going to say to my dad, I was in a rush. Oh, I'm sorry I killed your daughter. I was in a rush to get. No, mm. you're not in You're not in that much of a rush that you, we're going to kill someone and going to do stupid things. So I don't get road rage because I'm trying to get past someone and trying to teach people a lesson. I'm like the fucking motorway police. When someone's a middle lane hogger, I'm like, move because you're causing disturbances for people behind me, people in third lane. Move over. Um, so it's the tiniest. I got really passionate about that. It's tiny road rage. Middle lane drivers, you... Oh, no, they're the worst. I don't like them. I think it's so dangerous because it means that people undertake them. That's really dangerous because you're in the way. And then people overtake... Like, you, we've got to all go around you just to get back in front of you. Yeah. You learn to use the motorway properly or don't get on it. Which is, use that left lane. Use don't the be left. afraid to do you know, use that I know, left lane. I know people that go, I didn't know you were meant to do that. They didn't know that that's how it worked. That's not what it's about. It's about overtaking so we, you could go 80 in the first lane if there's no one in your lane. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah. I'm aware of that. People don't know that. People don't didn't get that because yeah. you um, don't have to take that course, the motorway course. Yeah. They don't know until they get on there what yeah. they're doing. When I'm on the motorway by myself, I'm in the left lane. Yeah. Unless it's really, really wet. Maybe I might go into the middle lane a bit more because there's less water. Yeah, it. okay, that's logical. Yeah. And you uh, buy yourself, you know, it's not, you know how to use a motorway. You're looking at me like if I say the wrong thing. Nah, no, no, like, that's your middle lane. <laughs> Chrissy, the gym will come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but like, um, it's only tiny anyway, the okay. rage. I'm not like that kind of person. But at least right now I go, oh God, that's Chrissy. She's out again. Is that what you call, is that yeah, what you call yeah. your chimp? Yeah, you've got to name your chimp. So in this book, you name your chimp. Yeah, you name your chimp. And it teaches you how to exercise it. But like, I didn't need to do that because she don't come out that often. And and the way I deal with her is I laugh and go, oh, shut up, Chris, to get back in. And okay. she's just silly. And she only comes out my way. And you know what? It's honestly, it's changed my life because if I am getting annoyed, people know she's called Chrissy. So people really close to me will say, oh, it's Chrissy. And then we have a laugh. It's over. It's ah. done. It's squashed because Chrissy's just been a bellend. Fair enough. And that's called the chimp paradox. <laughs> the chimp paradox. Is there more than one chimp or do we only have one chimp? No, we only have us? one chimp, but, okay. you know. And it's not our enemy. They're not against us. It's okay. just a little little chimp inside us. Wicked chimp paradox. Well, it's it's a much. it's a, a difficult read. I'm not going to lie, but it it's very it's profound. There were some things in there that really stuck with me. All right. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm going to check that out. Wait, wait. Before we go, what's like all my chimp? Or do I have to decide? You have to decide what. Like my, I feel like Chris is a reflection of her because she's a little bit like mm, like that. <laughs> She sucks her teeth a little bit. She's like, what? She's like, mm. <laughs> She's also American by the sounds of that. <laughs> She's a bit <Girl>. sassy. <laughs> I know you ain't in the middle lane. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll, I'll have a think about what I, I don't, I don't yeah. Arnold screams out to me. I don't know why I, I call him Arnold. Arnold the chimp. Shut up, Arnold. Get in there. Again. Get in there. Get in, Arnold. All right. Well, cheers, man. Appreciate Thanks. that, man. And um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's catch up again, man. When, once you've, you know, a little bit more grounded, like between us both. I thought you were going to say when you're a little bit more grounded. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, yeah let's meet up when you're a little bit up here a little bit less up here on us and then we'll catch up now when a bit uh, when we've covered a bit of ground it'd be great for you to come yeah. back on the show and have a you chat you mean basically like. when i get a job marcus that's what he means which i'm sure will be very soon mandip we'll be seeing you on a screen near us definitely this show is produced and hosted by me marcus bronzy special thank you to co-producers billy wright shane powell david shawcross special thanks to milo fisher in research wide awake aka cj beats and jordan crisp for the amazing intro and outro music you can listen to marcus meets via itunes podcasts for apple devices or Acast, which works with every phone that i know of if you're unsure what will work with your device all you have to do is head to marcusbronzycom slash meets to listen with any device you desire we would love your feedback in the form of a rating and or review you can do that by going to marcusbronzycom slash review and if you really love us you really want to support us you can become a patron of marcus meets and get access bonus content early episodes exclusive merchandise and have input on actual shows that are happening in the future you can donate as little or as much as you want say the cost of a cup of coffee by going to marcusbronzycom slash coffee that's marcusbronzycom slash coffee in the meantime thank you for listening Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.